What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. I'm Graham. What's up, y'all? Dave over here. Today, we've got an interview with Alexander Svetsky, CEO and founder of Amber. Amber is a Bitcoin investing app. It's not available in the States yet, so we haven't used it, but its product value is basically to bring Bitcoin to the average person. I like this idea a lot because it sounds like an attempt to increase adoption among the herd. Alexander and Amber are based in Australia, and that means Dave had to get up really early to perform this interview, but that's not that strange because Dave has never slept a day in his life. Yeah, I don't sleep at all, so this was totally normal for me. In all honesty, I enjoyed talking to Alex a lot, even though it was at five in the morning. I mean, he's a pretty smart guy, and he's been in this Bitcoin game for a while now. So basically, Alex does not like blockchain hype, and I definitely consider him a Bitcoin maximalist, but he's honestly, more than anything else, just a contrarian. His thesis while we were talking was that fundamentally, in the world right now, Bitcoin is the ultimate contrarian bet. Okay, so like betting against the Packers this Thursday night? Graham, we don't need to get into your degenerative gambling tactics right now. Let's just get into the interview with Alex. All right, fair enough. Enjoy. Hey, Alex. Uh, this is Dave here. Welcome to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. It's Thank really you, man. early. <laughs> <laughs> it's really early for you. It's really late for me. <laughs> yeah. And Alex, where are you again? Uh, Brisbane, man. So, um, for those of you who don't know where Brisbane is, it's in Australia. Um, it's just a nicer version of Sydney, um, which Sydney's a shithole. So, sorry to everyone who lives in Sydney. <laughs> uh, just curious, what's Brisbane like? What's like the weather like and stuff? Dude, it's um. So we we work in Celsius here, so I don't know what this is going to turn into in Fahrenheit, but um, I mean the winter is beautiful. It's sunny. Uh, the the weather's calm. It's blue skies, about twenty degrees Celsius. Which let me, you know what? Just out of curiosity, now I want to know what that is in Fahrenheit. So twenty degrees Celsius to Fahrenheit. Let's see, sixty-eight. So yeah, so. It's um it's nice and pleasant over winter and it's a smaller city. Uh, it's much more practical to live in. You don't get that insane kind of traffic as you get in Sydney. Like in Sydney, you can't get anywhere. Um, yeah. Just pe- people are just generally a little bit more laid back. And, and we, we haven't had, because I, I originally grew up in Sydney. So we, we also, in Br- Brisbane hasn't had the same magnitude of like property bubble and all the other bullshit that you sort of get with a, um, with a primary city like Sydney. Um, huh. I mean, you know, a normal human being can't afford to live in Sydney anymore. Like it's just, it's just fucking ridiculous. Sounds like New York or San Francisco. Dude, it's, it's, it's like that. Um, except at least, um, you know, New York's a financial hub and San Francisco, you got tech coming out of there. Like Sydney's sort of run by uh, drug dealers, personal trainers, hookers and um, bankers. All right. Okay. Well, what's Brisbane like? <laughs> Brisbane's Brisbane's fantastic, man. It's it's a new city. It's it's an emerging city. You know, there's there's been a lot of property development here and stuff like that. So there's a bit of a bubble in that sense. But um, other than that, like from a lifestyle perspective, it's really nice. You're an hour from the Gold Coast, which is one of the nicest beaches in the world. You're two hours from Byron Bay, and that's sort of an area that everyone sort of knows. That's kind of like the um, you know, it's a it's a much class. It's it's a much nicer version of um, you know. I say Venice beach, much more natural and all that sort of stuff. It's kind of like hippie central, but it's really nice. And then yeah. you're two hours South of uh, the sunshine coast, which is again, one of the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful spots in the entire world. So it's, um, it's very convenient to live in. You, you know, you're an hour flight from Sydney. If you do need to go down there, you're two hours from Melbourne, if you need to go down there. So I, I think it's a f- excellent, excellent city. Um, and then just in general and like, Brisbane or, or maybe Australia in general, I'm, I'm not as totally aware of it. Like what's the uh, crypto culture like? Uh, who, who, who's out there? You, oh, dude. Obviously have a, your own company that you've started. Yep. Yep. So I, I would say that there's a, there's a good tight knit cohort of Bitcoiners, but um, Australia, because it's a little bit more affluent, um, we're plagued with shit coiners and we're, you know, so, so you've got shit coiners on one side. Um, so people just running around with, fucking i mean the amount of crap that we saw during um 2017 and you know we we had 
you know, all, all of the exchanges in Australia, the ones that did the most volume were the ones that traded the most shit coins. So it was like, it was a real sort of, um, you know, bubble sort of mentality and get rich quick and all that sort of stuff. So, so sort of one element of it. Then, then the other side, you've got this whole blockchain thing going on where, um, you know, it's kind of the narrative is, oh, it's not Bitcoin, it's blockchain. Um, and, and that's just, you know, there's this, um, there's a couple organizations, I won't name names, but, you know, they've sort of, they've, they've become the governing, the self-governing body uh, in this country. And it's, um, I mean, the kind of people, you know, some of the people that are on there, I mean, you just shake your head and wonder what, what the fuck are you doing on a board um, of a self-regulating body? Um, and, you know, and they sort of push the narrative of, blockchain 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 for the sake of blockchain um i, I would say 90 90 of them have absolutely no idea what the fuck the word even means um or what relevance it's got to anything um and you know half of them or, or probably more wouldn't even hold any bitcoin like it's just yeah it's, it's a bit disappointing and, th and then you've got a couple of really good people like you've got you know stefan Levera is obviously down here um you've got rory um one of the bitcoin plebs um legend um you've got Haas mccook um you've, you've got some really good sort of hardcore bitcoiners um but you know we're we're a small cohort and um and i'm i'm hoping that you know the our little stubborn minority is gonna is gonna you know grow that cohort further um yeah yeah um and and, and this like you're talking about the bitcoin versus blockchain debate and i feel like that's sort of um Right now, that seems to me like where you've sort of planted your your flag um, is trying to explain that difference and and why you think um, blockchain is such a wrong way to go. Um, yeah, man. And uh, <clears throat> real quick, could you explain like what that governing body is? You're saying that's that's seems to be putting pushing blockchain in Australia. Well, I mean, they've they've just changed their name to Blockchain Australia, so. Um... You know, oh, okay. so yeah, it's you know that they they're convinced. You know, uh, it's funny. I was I was in a um I was in a roundtable um with them, and I was thinking, I was sitting there thinking, like, you know, Bitcoin was designed to you know effectively disintermediate um, and sort of you know remove rent seekers. I have never seen, a, like, the entire table was full of fucking rent seekers, like lawyers and this guy and that guy and you know this guy thinks he's a policy guy and all sort of rubbish like i was thinking what are you guys all doing here like what what do you actually want and, and they're all just pushing their own agendas you know trying to earn money their way um and i mean look i'm not against people earning a buck you know fine go do your thing like you know i'm a, I'm a free market guy but i just feel like that narrative is just so shallow and it's so short-sighted like I'm i'm not interested in you know, some incremental improvement, arguably, if there isn't even an improvement, you know, for some database crap, like what I'm interested in is, you know, the reinvention of money, the reinvention of economics, the, you know, the, what, what Bitcoin is doing is profound to me. And that is really, really fucking cool. Um, you know, this sort of intellectual sophistry around blockchain, chain i have no interest in it and it, it's just it's just funny the kind of people that it attracts and the kind of organization that blockchain australia has become like it used to be you know bitcoin australia and then it turned into the australian digital commerce association or whatever it was or you know i don't know if that was separate now it's blockchain australia because you know they're fighting to try and sound relevant um and you know that they're, they're fighting for the crumbs that they're going to get from you know whatever government body deems them as innovators you know or whatever bullshit bank rolls out another blockchain project you know where they can become advisors it's 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 fucking sad man it's right pitiful. so 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 to me it sounds like you're saying that they kind of are they're looking at uh this technological movement as just sort of the next new thing that they can kind of uh you know that they can they can maybe ride to get that promotion or some sort yeah. of expertise or that new job. And, 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 and that's not what you're interested in. And can you like explain what it is you're interested in? You kind of already touched on this, but like with Bitcoin in particular and in your company, Amber, like what are you trying to do? For sure, man. So I think to, 
to close the loop on them, I think, yeah, they're effectively interested in PR and rent seeking. And I mean, and, and that fundamentally is their jobs, you know, so I really can't take that away from them to a large degree, you know, like, you know, that, that's what they're going to do. Rent seekers are going to seek rent. Um, and you know, they're just sort of, I think they're just blinded by their own biases and they think that there is something here. Um, when they realize that the emperor has no clothes, you know, they're all going to be, you know, jumping off to the next thing that they can really, you know, hopefully align themselves with and make money out of. Right. So, so, so they're, they're just, they're not in it cause they give a fuck. They're in it because it's, you know, potentially it sounds hot. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas me, I guess, you know, th- th- there's a number of things here for me, you know, no, number one, I guess I, I, I like to be involved in, or I like the idea of being involved in something so profound that um, it could impact, you know, hundreds of millions, billions, or potentially everybody on the face of the planet. So, you know, I've sort of said it before. I say that this, this generation or this period of human history will be defined as the point in time where money and state, you know, were separated, you know, the last, major separation that was similar was um, separation of church and state, you know, and that sort of brought forth the the scientific revolution and, you know, that sort of brought forth the industrial revolution. So it's like a pivotal moment in human history. And I, and I think we're at that point here where we're actually, you know, through, through the emergence of technology, through the emergence of, you know, connected networks and interconnected, you know, communication networks and, knowledge and information and data you know we're we're coming to this point in time in society where we're where we've somehow redefined the concept of money and and money being this um or we've 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 invented a new tool for money that meets all the requirements that an ideal money should be and money being the um the resource or the unit of measurement that you know, or sorry, the, the unit that measures the work, the value, the input into society from its participants, you know, so, so money is this fabric that allows society to function and, you know, reinventing that layer of society, um, you know, in a time, especially that is so contentious where, you know, that there is so much concentration and centralization of power around that societal resource, again, money is such a, is such a profound thing to be involved in. Um, you know, it, it's, this is sort of why I think Bitcoin has been, you know, defined as this never ending rabbit hole. Like it just keeps going down because it just touches so many elements around the world. So that kind of broad impact really interests me, number one. And then number two, I think it's, you know, I, I've always been a contrarian at heart. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always looked to, to run against the herd, you know, I always do the opposite. I mean, ever since I was a kid, like, I was, you know, a badass at school, piss all the teachers off. But at the same time, I was uh, academically, you know, the strongest uh, at school. So the teachers never knew what to do. So I was, I was always this sort of this paradox and this, you know, contrarian sort of person. And and, I, and I've done that all my life. Um, and I was kind of saying this on the Adam Meister um, show just a little bit earlier today was, you know, Bitcoin is the ultimate, ultimate contrarian bet, I guess, in society. It's, it's this ultimate you know, contrarian opportunity. Like I I kind of say to people, I I kind of say to people that if you want to win in life, if you want to get ahead, you know, if you want to do more, be more, et cetera, is you want to make the contrarian bet. You want to run against the grain. You don't want to be where the crowd is because, you know, you fundamentally want to be, you know, either out in front or a different place. You want to be unique. And, you know, if you look at Bitcoin, it's, it's this, it's this thing which has been so successful over the last 10, 11 years, um, you know, something that nobody thought would succeed. And to this day, it's still dismissed by the masses. You know, you go around on the street and you talk to people, people, you know, somehow fucking think Bitcoin's dead. They're like, Oh, didn't that thing crash to zero or whatever? Um, you know, you talk to these blockchainers, you know, they all think that, you know, the important thing is blockchain, not Bitcoin. <laughs> you talk to the shit coiners, and they all think they've got a faster or a more private or a global, you know, computer version of fucking Bitcoin, you know, and they're all fucking deranged. Um, it's, it's just so funny. It just gets dismissed by so many people, but it is fundamentally from a first principle standpoint, just so profound. 
And, and I just love those elements. It's, it's this thing that just touches so many areas in the world and in life, you know, in philosophy, physics, um, you know, psychology, society, evolution, anthropology, all of these interesting topics. Um, and it's just still so contrarian. So I don't know, man, I, I've fundamentally found what I'm going to spend the next hmm. few decades of my life immersed in at least. And, um, yeah. and we'll see where we go from there. Yeah. Um, and, and to get into that further, like obviously uh, what we're talking about here is not, not necessarily uh, investment advice uh, yep. with my limited knowledge of investing. Um, I know the basic understanding is that you want to diversify your portfolio. Diversification is a good thing. Um, variety is a good thing. Um, but at least in crypto, it seems like you don't really believe that. It seems like you think um, Bitcoin is, is the only thing that's worth paying attention to. Can you yeah. sort of explain uh, your thinking there in that it seems, I mean, that is a contrarian view to me. Yep, yep. So, so there's a couple of things there. Um, there's, there's probably three points. And, you know, while, while um, I'm going I'm to just note these down so that way I don't forget them as I'm talking about them because I can ramble on sometimes. So one is, uh, is diversification a good thing? Um, number two is um, convergent network effects. And number three is correlation. So, Let's let's hit all of those. So, so number one, you know, m most people say diversification is a good thing, and, and I think, you know, if if you're intelligently diversifying and you're you're able to, you know, you have the know-how around um, being able to lower your risk while um, increasing your you know your reward. It, it's sort of like that that sharp ratio thing. Um, you know, diversification can be a very good thing because you, you know, you can build a stronger, better returning portfolio and a more robust type of portfolio on, on the way down. But, you know, there is also a, a really strong school of thought, which is concentration, you know, is a path to greater wealth. Um, you know, you look at the the Mark Zuckerbergs and the Jeff Bezos's of the world um, who have sort of doubled down, you know, on their bets throughout their lives. And, you know, fundamentally a Jeff Bezos concentrated his bet around Amazon um, and he's done far better than any trader or any hedge fund manager on the planet. Right. So, um, you know, so, so there is multiple schools of thought there. Um, you know, and, and I think if, if you are going to be betting on a winner, um, you know, you should sort of gear your, uh, you, you know, your investment strategy toward that. Um, so, so that's sort of one thing. So, so I'm not, I don't blanket believe diversification is a good thing, but you know, if we apply the 80, 20 rule, probably for, you know, 80% of people or, you know, these days, the 80, 20 rule is more like 99, one, you know, for most people, diversification is probably a good thing because, you know, for them to pick the winner, you know, it, it's not as easy. So, you know, statistically speaking, you're safer diversifying um, than you are not diversifying. So, um, so then let, let's just make the assumption that for most people, diversification is better. So then, if we take that um, concept of diversification, what, what diversification means is lowering the risk profile of your portfolio by combining multiple asset classes together that are uncorrelated. And uncorrelated means that they don't move in the same direction and they don't you know, move in sync uh, at, at the same time. So doing that requires you to mix assets you know that that are fundamentally different like you mix gold you know with stocks with bonds with real estate etc so, so that that's what you would call a diversified you know portfolio or, or your risk so you, you mix um maybe defensive stocks with you know growth stocks for example so that you can you know spread you know the risk now as soon as you move into uh crypto everything's fucking correlated like, and it's all correlated to Bitcoin. So by diversifying in crypto, you actually get the reverse or you get the opposite of what you're trying to do. Diversification, the goal of diversification is to lower risk. By combining multiple shit coins alongside Bitcoin, all you're doing is you're increasing your leverage. You're increasing your beta. 
it's fucking madness. So what, what you've done is you haven't diversified, but, but you know, diversification in crypto has increased your leverage, which has increased your risk. Um, and you've done the opposite of what you're trying to do. It's the biggest fallacy or it's the biggest scam that I've ever heard, um, you know, inside the, um, in the, in the crypto investment space, all these moron fund managers, all these moron traders and all those shitheads that are out there telling people to diversify across multiple cryptos. They just, as soon as you hear that, you know, straight away that that person has no fucking clue what they're talking about. Apologies for the swearing here, but, yeah. um, it, it kind of, it, it kind of gets to me because, you know, th- that's, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that that's a contrarian viewpoint. Yes, it is. But, you know, the definition of a contrarian viewpoint is uh, saying something or believing something that most people don't agree on, um, but doing it from a basis of first principles. And the first principle here is about correlation, you know, being the predicate for diversification. Um, and, you know, these people just run around and they don't get it. So then, so, you know, the, the, the concept is flawed, you know, from the beginning. And then finally is... When you look at Bitcoin and you look at money as a, as a concept, um, money is a convergent network effect. And what that effectively means is that the kind of like, you know, communication or language within a specific jurisdiction, it converges to the, the one language because that's when that language is uh, most functional. Money converges to a single unit um, in a specified jurisdiction. It's why we have one US dollar inside the US. It's why we have one British pound inside the UK. It's why we have one Australian dollar in, the Australia, uh, in Australia. You know, By mixing them up on a state basis, you would have a ridiculous amount of friction uh, in the economy. So money is, is this commodity which arb, you know, arbs out all of that friction and converges to unity. You know, for, from a functionality perspective and then from from the other perspective is this is where the network effect starts to accelerate is that the best money is also generally the most liquid um so what ends up happening is liquidity finds more liquidity and it starts to create this recursive effect where more liquidity begets more liquidity begets more liquidity and it all converges around one and you end up with a situation of a um you know a winner take all kind of marketplace where everyone wants to hold, you know, the, the, the best form of money and the one that's most liquid and the one that's most liquid becomes the best form of money and the best form of money becomes more liquid. And you, you know, this, this sort of network effects that's happened. So those three things there just basically mean that game set match. There is absolutely no reason to touch any other crypto other than Bitcoin. Um, unless you think, in some way, shape or form, you're a genius fucking trader that might be able to make more sats along the way. But mate, that headache is not worth it. You're better off just buying some Bitcoin and just going to the Bahamas and relaxing. Like seriously, that, that's sort of the best strategy. Yeah. And, and I kind of want to ask you a little bit about your views on, on sort of the nature of what Bitcoin is um, <clears throat> without getting too abstract here. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people see uh, Bitcoin as the new gold. Um, mm. Another thing that people say is that it's it's sort of becoming um, the global currency. Um, mm. It's also, you know, I, I think it's also probably pretty clear to people that um, payments, at least on a smaller scale, is not really feasible right now. It's Bitcoin's being used more as a store of value. Um, and then, so there's there's a Grisham's law, which sort of indicates that bad money usually chases good money out of circulation. Yeah. And I I think this is uh, pretty interesting because um, if you look around right now, nobody spends Bitcoin. That's just a fact they hold. Um, And, 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 and I guess the thing about Bitcoin at this point in time is that it hasn't really been proven necessarily. It's too, it's still too young to be for people to know, um, that it's got a proven track record of being better money than, than what's out there other than what a lot of people just believe is true based on its nature. Um, yeah. so like in that view, uh, what I'm curious about is, is, is like, where do you, how do you see, uh, in the future, how do you see Bitcoin being used, um, in the scenario that it might be 
too good money for our world right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, look, so I, I agree with you. So, well, th- there's heaps of threads to pull on there. So, so I think one of the first bits is that, you know, no, B- Bitcoin, Bitcoin fundamentally is a payments network and a monetary system and a monetary unit and a settlement network. It's all of these things, um, you know, at the same time. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's an emergent thing. So, you know, pe- people, you know, the, the advent of Bitcoin and, you know, what brought a lot of people in in the beginning is this idea that we, um, you know, we want an emergent market-based money, you know, like a, a good that emerges in the market over time that is priced by the market that gets adopted by people, you know, not by fiat, not by degree, not, sorry, not by decree, but by, you know, people adopting it for its, uh, for its attributes, kind of like gold emerged over thousands of years because it had unique physical attributes or physical properties that made it a, um, a better form of money. Right? So people want this emergent market money, but they don't want to give it time to emerge. <laughs> like mm-hmm. money has to emerge and it has to start off as a collectible because people, you, know, you, you need to have these generational shifts where, you know, people's faith, uh, in this object grows over time and it fucking helps extraordinarily. It helps significantly if that faith is based on something that more people can objectively agree on and point to. So, so that's where, you know, money, money is fundamentally, you know, a, a, a fiction, a, sh- a shared fiction that is um, sort of, it's a construct by um, human beings for the purpose of allowing society to function. Right. But, the object that we use uh, to substantiate that fiction so that we can all point to objectively um, has to be the, 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 the money with the best um, attributes uh, and the best, um, you know, the, the, the best parameters um, effectively. And, you know, Bitcoin today is this, you know, it's, it's in this, you know, is it storming, norming and storming, forming and norming, I think is that that saying, right? It's, it's very much still in the early days that this thing's still storming. This thing is still, you know, really just gearing up for the, the potential to become this broad, broadly accepted, robust, unstoppable, uncensorable, unconfiscatable, you know, form of monetary unit. But in order for it to get there, it's going to take, decades of contentious sort of um, growth. It's going to take a lot of, um, you know, disagreements. It's going to take people fucking arguing over shit. It's going to take misunderstandings. It's going to take the evolution of narrative. It's going to take all of these things. So this is all sort of part and parcel of the, um, the journey to a robust market-based money. Um, You know, it's perfectly normal. I, I just think, you know, again, in a society where we've been indoctrinated into this high time preference of, you know, everything has to happen now, um, you know, move fast and break things, buy, 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 consumer, 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 you know, invest, invest, invest in fucking anything just to chase yield. You know, we've sort of become desensitized um, to time, you know, to to temporal uh, concepts. And we've, um, you know, we've forgotten that something you know that really is robust that you know gets stronger with time fundamentally <laughs> requires time to get stronger right You're right it's, um you know that you know that that circular logic applies there right and um you know so, so long term i i do believe that because and i sort of opened with you know bitcoin is fundamentally a payments network it's a money it's an economic system it's a settlement system it's all of these things in one so so the fact that payments is baked into Bitcoin, the ability to settle and, you know, transact is baked into Bitcoin means that it's got the primitives to allow us to abstract uh, layers that are more optimized for the different functions that are, that the core of those functions is baked into the, to the initial um, layer. So, so yes, at some point in time, when this becomes more of a broadly accepted uh, monetary store of value, you know, Bitcoin can begin to evolve into more of a medium of exchange because at some point, just fundamentally, this is physics, is the 
the return uh, on you know your your asset, the, your return on investment is going to taper off. Like you're not going to get thousands of percent growth um, on a yearly basis when Bitcoin is worth you know half a million or a million dollars. That's just not going to happen anymore, right? You know that that stuff's going to taper off. Like you know for, to go from a million to ten million is a 10x move. Now that 10x move may take 10 freaking years. Um, whereas to go from $10 to $100, you know, could take three days. So, and, and that's the same percentage uh, move in terms of magnitude. So what you end up getting is this natural movement toward that unit being used more as a medium of exchange because people are willing to spend it because the incentive to hold starts to taper off over time. We're going to take a quick break. Stick around. We'll be right back. So, Dave, you still living on the dark net? Yep, all day, every day. Do you really need that much privacy, bro? Graham, arguing that you don't care about the right to privacy because you have nothing to hide is the same as saying you don't care about free speech because you have nothing to say. Oh, uh, okay. I guess that's true. I'm telling you, man, too many spam emails, targeted ads. I just can't take it anymore. Well, easy, Dave. Haven cares about your privacy. Have you downloaded it yet? Oh, yeah, I have. I've even sold a few stuff. I sold a few things. Like what? That's private. Okay. Well, for those of you who don't know, Haven is the world's first privacy-focused shopping app for iOS and Android devices. You can shop and chat with other users under the warm security blanket of end-to-end -end encryption. And you can buy and sell stuff using popular cryptocurrencies like Litecoin, Zcash, and even Bitcoin if you want to. I'm a holder. I wouldn't do it. I don't blame you, Dave. Tell us how the privacy works again. All your crypto data about your transactions, messages, and all your sensitive information is stored locally on your device. So, in other words, it's completely under your control. Yep. Haven uses advanced technology to keep your information private while being simple to use. You don't need to know how end-to-end -end encryption works or understand decentralization. You just need to know it works for you on Haven. Well, that's great. It also says that all communication is peer-to-peer -peer and end-to-end -end encrypted. There's no middleman. And you know how I feel about middlemen, Dave. I can't stand them either, Graham. Their time will come. Their time will come. If you care about your privacy, check out Haven today. Go to gethaven.app slash bitcoinmagpod to get $5 in free crypto today. Again, that's gethaven.app slash b-i-t-c-o-i-n-m-a-g-p-o-d. That's a lot of spelling, Dave. Boom. Privacy engaged. To the moon! Woo! This initial phase now, this storming phase, has to be volatile by definition. It has to emerge. It has to have these wild swings, these wild moves, because it gets people in, it draws capital in, it creates contention, it builds that robust, anti-fragile sort of nature of Bitcoin in the early days. And then as that capital builds, and, and you know the, the idea of a fixed supply money is just so profoundly important, it's just not funny, is that as this capital builds, the, the network gets stronger and these recursive network effects start to take hold, more capital comes on. And over time, that asymptotic um, curve, you know, that, that is, Murad did that graph and, you know, I'm sure you've seen it is, you know, Bitcoin's life cycle um, in terms of its, uh, you know, evolution. It, it's just, it's mm -hmm. just spot on. It's perfect. It's this thing that has to evolve temporarily over time. And the narrative is going to change for Bitcoin in terms of what its optimal use case is at that particular point in time. And we as enterprising human beings and as enterprising individuals and entrepreneurs and companies and everything, we're just going to build products, services, and functions that overlay Bitcoin at different points in time that fundamentally um, utilize the best of Bitcoin at that particular point in time. You know, and right now the best of Bitcoin is this emergent, store of value which is growing in terms of price like so what's the best fucking use case and what's the best business Shit. <laughs> build something that helps people accumulate bitcoin and right. kind of yeah. listen to what i'm doing yeah uh, yeah uh i when you say that I, I think of companies like lolly too but 
so yeah, what, yeah. what, what are y'all, what kind of products are y'all building? What, what, what is Amber doing? Well, Amber's building a Bitcoin accumulation app. Simple as that. You, you know, it, you, you set it up, you link your bank account, you set an amount and a frequency and this thing dollar cost averages you into Bitcoin without you even thinking about it, without you even noticing it. Like the most important thing people can do today with respect to Bitcoin is to buy the shit and hold it. That's it. Forget about trading. Forget about all this other fucking crap. Forget about, you know, merchant facilities and payments and where's the, or where's my adoption and, you know, uh, world global computers and fast payments and all that shit. You know, all of the cool shit will come. This step one, the battle that we have to win first is a non-state controlled money that is uncensorable, unconfiscatable and uninflatable. That's, that's like, milestone number one and that milestone is going to take a couple of decades so you know whilst that's happening um you know we need to build products that optimize for that you know we're doing it here at amber the boys at lolly are doing it there's there's some good products out there that are bitcoin only that are optimizing for that use case at this point in time yeah um and and do you have any idea uh what the horizon is for for when the amber app will be available Oh, dude, we're available now in Australia, man. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, we're, we're, we're rock and rolling down here. Um, we, I'm hoping that we're going to launch a couple of new jurisdictions at, um, at the end of this year. Um, potentially Europe, potentially UK, but I'm also in talks in some other jurisdictions as well. So, um, yeah, man, like, you know, we're, we're really just focusing on listening to the marketplace right now and just getting that nice product market fit going. Um, sure. You know, and when that's ready, man, we're going to, we're going to start scaling this baby up. Yeah. And I think that goes into what you've written about um, and talked about as far as like um, how to actually market yourself mm-hmm. uh, for a product market fit uh, in, in this space right now. And, and you say you sort of talk about uh, creating a signal as opposed to creating a noise. So that's, yep. that, that's, that's focused to me. And, and yeah. Yeah, and, and if you want to go into that, just a little bit about your philosophy on marketing, I, I'd, I'd be curious about that. Yeah, well, so so I, I think the, the article I think you're referring to is, you know, where I wrote, uh, Amber's a Bitcoin business, not a crypto company. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah so, so I wrote a bunch of things in there where I was saying, look, th- th- there's multiple reasons why, you know, we've chosen to optimize for Bitcoin over anything else. Um, and, you know, so I talked about it in the beginning is like, I just think it's unethical to to sell people shit coins, you know, under the guise of correlation, sorry, of um, diversification. So, you know, we sort of start off with that. Then secondly, I talk about, you know, security being, you know, a function of, you know, what's your attack surface, you know, the, the best way to make something more secure is just to remove the risk altogether. So by focusing purely on Bitcoin, um, you know, and focusing on building the app to be a more buy side accumulation focused app, we can have cold storage, you know, on one asset, and we can manage that really well. So, so that's another thing. Like a lot of these exchanges have got hacked because of all the um, of all the issues around uh, managing and supporting fifty million shitcoins, right? Um, and then the sort of the other strong theme in there was about signal over noise ratio. Is I think so many products launched over you know twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, which were just so fucking noisy. You know, everyone was building the next shitcoin exchange you know that looked like binance and that tasted like binance and that smelt like binance and they were all doing the same thing and it was you know who could have who could list more shitcoins and who could you know launch their own token that gives people free trading credits and it had all this just noise 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 and i think what we really tried to do with amber was be the signal in that noise to say look we know what we're talking about. You know, we're offering a Bitcoin only product because the, the winning this game is all about accumulating as much Bitcoin as you can. And just being really clear, narrow and focused with that message with, you know, that cohesion around the team, around our mission, around our vision, around our, you know, just, it's just focused on so many levels, the tech stack, the philosophy, the marketing message on, on so many things. And I think that's going to just bring a lot of strength for us long-term whilst other businesses are focused on trying to manage all of this crap um, around them. So, um, so yeah, so, so that was sort of the premise of that article. Um, yeah, and, and I think, yeah, it was, it was funny as well. Like I was writing that and then I saw this tweet storm from VJ 
and he was sort of echoing, you know, the same points. And I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> like, it's, it's funny how, you know, the, 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 the Bitcoin psyche sort of emerges and, you know, multiple people come, come along and sort of come up with a very similar concept at around the same time. It's just, it's, it's hilarious. Um, and yeah, when he sort of posted that, I was like, oh yeah, shout out to VJ for, um, you know, reinforcing that point. And I sort of included him in the, um, in the article, but it's just, it, it's, it's such an important thing for us. And, and it just, it just makes what I do so much more meaningful, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick, VJ, can you uh, just say who, who he is, his Twitter handle? Yeah. VJ Boyapati. So B O Y. A P A T I, I think, boy, uh, party. Um, that that's off the top of my head. So, dude, sorry if I spelt that wrong. But, um, really cool Bitcoiner. Um, only only literally heard about him about five or six months ago, I think. Um, uh-huh. yeah. So, and then the first sort of podcast that I listened to him was um Stefan's podcast about two and a half months ago. So, so I never really knew much about him. Um, and it was only like I, I saw that tweet storm that he did, and I was like, oh fuck, this guy's cool. He gets it. And um and then I listened to a couple of his things with um Stefan and he's, he's definitely he's he's one of the rare few um who really 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 get Bitcoin man so he's um he's an OG definitely definitely follow this guy he's um yeah one of my favorites yeah um okay and then uh in a, let's say like in a world we're assuming where where um cryptocurrency just by how it's built is is more frictionless and convenient to use than than say fiat currency do you see there being space um internationally for something like facebook's libra coin or a crypto uh backed by a government look i um (laughs) funny we we touched on this one on the the adam meister show as well so you know a lot of people think hyper bitcoinization is like is a given and and look i I'd almost agree with that. I think, you know, in a long enough, in a long enough time frame, you know, that that is probably the direction that, you know, we're going to head in. Now, I don't think that's going to be a clean journey. I think we're going to have, um, you know, multiple, you know, cycles. We're going to have all sorts of shit that's going to happen along that path. Um, but ultimately everything will, you know, pretend, you know I, I at least believe will converge, you know, onto Bitcoin. Um, now, you know, th- that could be, multi-decade could even be multi-century so in in the intervening times i think what's most likely going to happen you know in the in the coming decades um you know and i use the plural there specifically is that we'll probably end up with like parallel economic systems you know where you'll have the the usd crypto um which is sort of like fed coin or usd slash nsa coin you know whatever one system you'll have um fucking china coin um which will be like the social credit score fucking commie coin um you'll have you know zuck bucks you know or libra so you'll have this corporate type you know non-sovereign issued uh monetary unit and then you'll have bitcoin which is the you know the free censorship resistant you know easy to opt in easy to opt out economic system you know which is fixed um, you know, fundamentally uninflatable, unconfiscatable, uncensorable. You know, so so it'll it'll appeal to people, especially in the early days, that are more like us, I guess. People who are looking for those attributes in money. People who are looking for hard money. People who are more akin to living a low time preference life. People who want to be rewarded for production, for value, for input, than for rent seeking. So so I think because fundamentally the world is so you know, coked up on high time preference at the moment and, um, and, you know, wanting everything now, now, now versus later, you know, there is definitely space for the Libras of the world for the, for the, you know, the fed coins and the, the Chinese coins of the world. So, so the Chinese coins of the world, they're going to be sort of trying to impose, you know, their, their existing control and power over people to sort of lock people into that system. You know, the U S coin is, you know, they, they, they have a bit of a head start because, they've obviously got the U S dollar and that's such a prominent broad liquid type of money. And that's very, that's going to take a long time to overturn. Um, you, you know, Facebook has an advantage to, you know, deliver their 
monetary unit to 2 billion people because they've already got that sort of reach. So that's going to have a place as well. And, you know, that's going to incentivize obviously high time preference and spending and ease of use and all that sort of stuff. So they're all, they're all going to be potentially functional because the world takes time to transition. None of this shit's going to happen cleanly and smoothly, but what we're going to have is people, the, the, the smart people in the world, the people who are the best producers, the people who are the, you know, fundamentally the most intelligent, they're going to slowly migrate over to this opt-in system, which is fundamentally free, um, which is Bitcoin. You know, they're going to be able to have more control um, over their um, over their financial life. And what's likely going to happen is these other parallel economic systems are probably going to get more and more draconian, more and more centralized, more and more big brothery, you know, people are going to, you know, in those spaces are going to either be more and more turned off or, you know, you, you'll get this massive polarity in there. And, you know, some people stand, some people sort of flee to the, to the one place that they can flee, which will be the only, you know, refuge of economic and political freedom available in the world, you know, Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the, the fact that it exists, it's like, it's pr- profoundly important because we, you know, we as a society have that opt-in, you know, or, you know, opt out of the existing and opt into that. Um, but, but it'll, it'll be a transition and, and it won't happen without a fight. It won't happen without mess. And, um, and, you know, many people will take, you know, decades to sort of come to terms with that. And, you know, along the line, there's probably, again, in the, in like testament to the fact that it's going to be messy. I, I almost guarantee that each of these other guys, the, you know, the Chinese coin, the fed coin and Libra coin, because they're going to try and talk about having some sort of reserve ratios to try and bring some sort of trust into their, um, into their money. They're all probably going to hold some fucking Bitcoin themselves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, because game theoretically, it makes sense, right. To, to hold some Bitcoin. So yeah, I I think what's likely going to happen is, you know, Bitcoin today is this um, emergent, you know, asset that people are using for, you know, speculation and, you know, financial sort of, um, you know, uh, sovereignty and all this sort of stuff. So, so it's in this emergent storming phase, probably long-term we're probably as a society or as a world, we're going to go to this multiple parallel economic systems, you know, that, that are defined by where the, um, where the control, where the critical mass and where the momentum already exists, which is sort of why I try and define it as fed coin, China coin and Libra. Um, you know, maybe there's going to be a Euro in there, who knows? Um, whilst you've got Bitcoin here sort of doing its thing and then long, long term, I think everything will probably have to converge on to Bitcoin and that may not be a pretty process that may be fundamentally bloody. It may be, you know, you know, 50, hundred years from now, we may have to fucking blow up half the fucking world in order to converge on Bitcoin, you know, in the process of these guys, you know, that these flawed other systems trying to hang on to the last bit of um, relevance they have. So yeah, man, it's um, we're at the beginning of something so much bigger than most people realize. It's just not funny. So, <laughs> Well, Alex, uh, thanks for talking. Uh, if people want to follow you uh, and, and learn more about the kind of stuff you think about and, and you write and what you're doing at Amber, how can they do that? Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm blasting Twitter a lot. Um, so, you know, Alex Svetsky, my name's spelled a bit funny, A-L-E-K-S, Svetsky, S-V-E-T-S-K-I. Um, I'll show you, chuck that in the uh, show notes anyway. Um, if you search my name, all sorts of shit comes up on Google anyway. So I do a lot of writing. Um, I'm, I'm trying to do more guest writing on more mainstream uh, publications these days. So like, you know, the things like Yahoo Finance, et cetera, so that I can try and get the message of Bitcoin out to, you know, outside of our echo chamber. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm hoping to sort of red pill people more outside of that. Um, I'm, I'm going to actually also start my own channel. Um, so I finally decided to fucking do it cause I've got so much things to say. Um, and a lot of people will say that, you know, I can articulate it well. So I, um, I'm going to start a channel. I'm not sure what I'm going to call it yet. I think I might call it wake up. Um, and you know, I'll probably just wax lyrical about a topic maybe, you know, every week or every couple of weeks. And, um, yeah, so you know, I'll, I'll announce that sort of stuff on Twitter as I get a bit closer. But um, yeah, man, Medium, Twitter, Hacker Noon, sort of where I do most of my content stuff. And um, and you know, been on a couple of podcasts and really happy to be on this one with you, man. So um, yeah, 
Yeah, that sounds great. Um, down the line, uh, you sh we should we should talk about uh, we should coordinate um, possibly writing on uh, Bitcoin Magazine. That'd be fun. Hundred percent, man. I'd lo I'd love to actually. That's um. Yeah. I, th there was an article that I wrote uh, recently. Um, sorry about that, man. There was an article that I wrote recently, which I wanted to. I would have preferred publishing on um on your publication, but I had a deadline on it. I wanted to get it out, so that was the the Bitcoin blockchain and Libra. So if anyone searches that with my name, it's on, I think blockchain.news or Bitcoin.news or some shit. Uh -huh. um, and yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of gave a rundown of what I just explained then is, you know, I, I kind of, I, I called it uh, blockchain, Bitcoin and Libra. What's bullshit, what's brilliant and what's big brother. Right. And I kind of laid out that, you know, blockchain is this meaningless fucking fad that, you know, we'll look back on in five years and be like, Haha, remember those idiots? Um, you know, the, the real fight, like Libra couldn't give two shits about blockchain. What, what, you know, they're interested in is this, you know, the, the creation of a non-sovereign money because money is the ultimate, it's, it's the most important resource in society. So, so that's what they're fundamentally interested in. And, you know, Libra, you know, in, in one sense, it validates Bitcoin because, you know, it, I think for more people in the world than anything else, it sort of opened them up to the idea of the potential of a, a money issued not by the state. So I think that was one thing, but it also validated Bitcoin because it reinforced Bitcoin's like the importance of Bitcoin's choice to be this money that's owned by the people that's, you know, self-sovereign that um, is not run by a consortium or a corporation. So it sort of, it stands in, it both opened people's minds to Bitcoin, but it also positioned itself as the, the, like it juxtaposed itself um, to what Bitcoin uh, represents. And then thirdly, it also just made obsolete every other fucking shit coin and altcoin out there because you know, all of the things that they were optimizing for, you know, speed and smart contracts and all that sort of stuff can be done there. And it makes all this other crap irrelevant. Um, and it just reinforces the, the intelligence um, and the wisdom of the, of the, you know, the Bitcoin community and optimizing for censorship resistance um, and for decentralization in Bitcoin over all of the other features that people were screaming for, you know, and again, it just, it just shows how much, Bitcoin rewards long-term, low-time preference thinking um, versus what all this other crap was about. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm going off on tangents again, but I just I love this space. You know, I love I love what this community is doing, um, and I just I just love how this thing just becomes more and more profound um, every day that you get into it. Yeah. We, we like hearing from you. It's it's good to get to pay attention to the signals and the noise. Thank you, my man. We really appreciate that. Take care, buddy. Take care, man. I'll talk to you soon. The Bitcoin Magazine podcast is a BTC Media produced podcast on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. You can find us over on Twitter at Bitcoin Magazine. And you can find other engaging shows over at letstalkbitcoin.com. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will see you next time.